we can start now, though, if you want. I, I apologize. I just needed to get that out of my system because it's been heavy on my mind. Oh, no, don't don't worry about it. I, I'm glad that like <laughs> it's my favorite. One of my favorite things is when like two people who don't talk to each other and they start something at the exact same time. And then like suddenly you're like, oh, you're watching this, too, at the exact same time I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should we should go through this and discuss it a little bit <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um. So, yeah, awesome. Perfect. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, how's your, uh, how's your, how's your quarantine stuff going? It's nothing new, uh, life. I had a really interesting realization last week because I, you know, I've been taking this opportunity to reevaluate my professional trajectory Yeah, and I've been looking into a lot of job quizzes just to like get a sense of like what my priorities are. And there was one quiz that juxtaposed these issues that had never occurred to me would be in contradiction to each other. So the question I think was, would you rather work with a group of people towards a common goal or be creative? That was that was the juxtaposition. And mm-hmm. that felt like a false dichotomy to me because I was like, well, both right I think think the best group decisions are creative right like that's what innovation is um but then i realized like i turned to elizabeth and you know as i was taking this quiz and said you know i think i'd really rather not be creative with a group than be creative by myself okay and then i stopped and i looked at her and i was like crap (laughs) yeah because that's what writing is and that's what i want to do well that was one of my uh Things I actually wanted to ask you about is how your writing was going during quarantine. Yeah. Um, and- it's been good. It's been productive. I've really enjoyed it. Um, it's hard for me to find motivation, though, because I think now more than ever, it's difficult to feel grounded. Mm-hmm. I think on a regular, like before quarantine, I had my job and I had my creativity and they were separate. And I was using the job to feel the creativity. Now that I'm unemployed... I feel more self-conscious than ever about my lack of career trajectory and my lack of professional actualization. And I really spend a lot of time feeling anxious about that. And that anxiety makes it very difficult to feel comfortable and safe and secure enough to be creative. Yeah. I I think, I think that's happening to a lot of folks right now. I think a lot of people are going through that kind of, well, you know, now that I'm not doing my job and the slog isn't there and it's not just putting the foot in front of the other, like I'm able to stand still and think for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Is this the path I want to be on? Cause I'm thinking that too, you know, it's, it's just kind of like, okay, where, where do I go from here? You know, I've been doing leaves for about five years now and you're like, all right, what, what, what's the next step after this? Yeah. And so that's when you start thinking like, all right, can you start doing something on your own? And I posed that same question of like, do I want to try to do something by myself? Like, and start to do some income, you know, tied up around maybe this or start with, with, with trying to create content or do I try to change career paths? I don't know. Definitely thoughts though. I mean, for sure. So I think we're all kind of there. And if you're not there, excellent. And if you're there and now you're suddenly are because Max and I just told you about it, then uh, spend some time <laughs> to think about it. Yeah. Welcome. You know? Welcome yeah. to the crew. So, um, um, so anything new though, you guys have been watching Outlander, anything else? Like we started watching, um, oh, 
Uh, the new part of Rick and Morty's out on Adult Swim. If, nice. If anybody has that, so check that out. We just started that last night. And um, we've actually been watching Botched. Um, her and I went to her family's beach house over the weekend, um, uh, or like during the middle of the week last week. And they had cable and just Botched happened to be on. If you don't know what Botched is, it's, I don't. Um, it's a show on entertainment or on the E Network. And it is um, a plastic surgery show. But what it does is it takes these two plastic surgeons who are very, very good at what they're doing. Um, and people who have really bad or like several botched I surgeries, see. they fix what they're they're going to do. That you know? sounds pretty interesting. It's really, really interesting. And it's like, and you, you know, some of the people that go in there are going in there for purely cosmetic and like, you know, the last person I did, it just didn't do it the way I wanted to. And they'll mm-hmm. look at them and be like, we can't do anything. The last person did it the way this way, because if they did it anything different, like you may die. Like it's kind of those things I where see. like they're incredibly honest with the clients and they tell them we're not going to do this surgery because of this reason. Mm-hmm. And we don't think you should get it because of this reason. Now, we were not willing to risk it. You'll probably find a doctor that will be out there that will do it for you, but we're not going to, you know, yeah. so it's. It's super interesting. It's 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 taking something that like I don't know. It's worth it. It's fun to it's fun to watch the. the I, I we both realized though that we hate watching the nose surgeries and everything else is great. <laughs> Just something about that weird like when they pull apart the nose and like they have to go in there with like a little um, hammer and chisel and like chisel away things and like break the nose with like a little like pin. That's man. It's, yeah, it's weird. It's hard to watch. So, but um, there's a uh, 94 episodes on demand. So. Wow. We've only seen 12. <laughs> We're very excited. <laughs> so we've been <laughs> doing that. But anything else other than Outlander you guys been getting into? No, not really. Just uh, what else are we working our way through? We finished up Dexter. We are currently on the to-do list. So we're finalizing Supernatural. We finally got around to working our way through the last few seasons of that. Um, and that show was really hard for me near its end because like, they kept escalating the stakes so much that it got to a point where they God was literally a character. Yeah. Right. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, man. at that point, at that point, the scope is so large yeah. that it feels superfluous. And I think they realize that. And so the season after that, they really back it down. They bring it back around to what it was originally about. And it feels kind of like they hit the reset button and the writing really tightened up a lot. And that has made it much more watchable for me. So I'm actually really reinvigorated by it. We're in season 13 of 14 now. Yeah. <laughs> so um, working my is way through that. Is this still going on? Uh, I don't know. It is either still going on or it just finished. But it's yeah. like it's been around for ages. It, it has. kicked off back in like 2006. There is a game that my friend and I used to play in college. So we had a um, physics class where him and I used to watch Yankees games and play other things because neither one of us were doing anything in science. And the professor, you could tell, just kind of wanted to play around and show us the cool things he could do with his experiments. Mm-hmm. So, like, we, it was just a fun class. I think we both ended up getting, like, a B-plus or something, both putting, like, very minimal effort. Um, it was a take-home midterm open book. I mean, you know, like that kind mm-hmm. of stuff for physics. So yeah. we used to play a game where we would draw this little road and then a little um, outpost, like a little watchtower with a tree and then a man standing at the road. And then he would pass the paper to me and then I would have to draw something that would kill that man. And I'd pass <laughs> it to him and he would draw something that killed whatever I killed. And it always escalated to the hand of God and the game is over. It's like, <laughs> you can't kill the hand of God. And it just got to that point where like, 
<laughs> always, always, it would always escalate to something outrageous like that. Um, so, and then we would start over again. So it's pretty much the exact same as Supernatural. Like, yeah, you know, we just yeah. it, that's how the Bond franchises work too. If you yeah. were, like watch all of the actors, it will go from really grounded first, like every single Bond movie for the actor from the first time they do it, it's awesome. Every single like first person's mm-hmm. Bond is like Doctor No's good, Live and Let Night, Die is really good, Living Daylights is amazing, Goldeneye is great. It's like Casino Royale, they're all good. But as you progress on, they just get more outrageous, and that's when you get ice hotels and uh, invisible cars and. Yep. <laughs> And so, and then the next movie, you get Casino Royale, which is one of the best bomb movies ever. So it, it's really cool. The only actor that, fun fact, had a uh, Bond um, kind of uh, renaissance in the middle was Roger Moore because he did so many movies. Like, they went Live and Let Die up to Moonraker, which is space lasers. Like, literally, mm-hmm. he's fighting in space with lasers. Um, and then the next movie after. Uh, Moonraker, they brought it back down. It wasn't a view to kill. I think it was the one right. Ah, man, that's going to bother me that I'm not going to know what this. Anyways, yeah. like he had a reset button essentially and they brought it way back down and reset it for him, which is really cool. And then it went up to a view to a kill, which has Christopher Walken, which by the way, Christopher Walken's a Bond villain. If you guys did not know that. Yeah. Roger Moore is hard for me because he's just gets, they let it go on for so long. He's basically like oh, three dude. times as old as some of the women he's supposed to be in love with. And it's gross. It's so gross. He was, man, he was 43 when he started playing yeah. Bond in 73. And when he finished was 85. And so he would in 58. He was 58 when he finished Bond. Yeah. And it, it's gross. It absolutely is 100% gross. It, an issue that I have, I mean, we can talk about how gross some of the old Bond movies are on, on lots of different levels. Yep. Um, and and so, which I also would love to because it's one of my favorite movie franchises as well. Um, but I really love the Roger Moore movies just because they're campy and like formulaic. And yeah. for some reason, that just kind of comforts me. With yeah, the no, there is there is comfort to the familiar. Like if, if you know what you're getting into and it's... That, that scratches a very specific itch. It does. Yep. Yep. If you like slow, bad action spy movies, like those seventies bombs are awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, cause they're super slow and it's great. It's something cool happens. He meets with M. He goes to a hotel, meets the girl. That girl's definitely going to die. Like, it's just, everything is so formulaic in those. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Anyway, speaking of movies, I'm watching one right now, and I think you should have to guess it. By the uh, way, this is fair. Infinite Pulp, everybody. We've been talking for so long, I was afraid you didn't know who Max was, so we need to Infinity. introduce him. Infinity. My name is Max. I am not Infinity. I am Max. I hope I'm not Infinity. That sounds exhausting. Gosh, that sounds so exhausting. Yeah. I can... Oh, man. I wanted to make a math joke there, but I didn't want to get it wrong, so I um, decided <laughs> not to. Um we can fact check it later. Anyways, I want to play a game. I want to play What Am I Watching? Because I'm afraid the movie is going to be over by the time we get to it. And I also <laughs> want to start getting into our topic today. Um, a yeah, we got bit. a lot to cover. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and um, mix it up today by asking immediately for a hint. Awesome. I, I have also thought of two hints pre oh. pre this game. Ooh, um, I came prepared. This game. If you yeah. haven't noticed, this week I gave Max the next three topics, and also I'm trying to be more prepared with our podcast to get some better uh, better content for you guys out there. <laughs> so that's why I prepared the two hints 30 seconds before the show started. This main character of this movie appears in every single Star Wars film. 
Okay, we have to pause here for a second because that clue I just gave was absolutely wrong. The actor I'm talking about is Warwick Davis. He was only in Return of the Jedi and then every movie after that. He wasn't in A New Hope or Empire Strikes Back. So we're not really sure what we're going to do with this one. Um, but that was definitely wrong. And now Max is going to try to get something off of a wrong clue. So we may just throw this one out um, or we'll see. But um, enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you. Wow. Actor or character? Actor. That's a that is a great clarification. That doesn't count as a question. That's a good. That's a clarify, and I give a bad. I thought answer. you said character, and I was like, I don't think I there did is say a character, character that shows up in every Star Wars movie. There isn't, so it has to be um, the actor. Actually, there is a character that shows up in every, not every what? Star Wars movie, every Skywalker movie. Yeah, um, but not every Star Wars movie. Yeah, this actor shows up in every Star Wars movie. Wow, but um, plays different characters. That's amazing. And I, it does nothing for me. So I'm going to go ahead and say, is it live action? It is live action. Is it a movie I have seen? I think you've seen it, but it's one of those fringe movies that I'm not sure. I know you're probably aware of it. Otherwise, I wouldn't have picked it. And I think you've seen it, but it's on the fringe of maybe not. All right. Well, if your second clue is already revved up, let's go ahead and go with that. The supporting actor is um, this movie also played um, Batman in a movie. Two movies, actually. Okay. Is it a Marvel movie? It's not a Marvel movie, though it is on Disney+. Plus. Is it a comedy? No, it's not. I mean, there are a few comedic moments in it, but it's it's not definitely a a slated as a comedy. How would you? Where are we at now? This Live is action. four questions. If that's four questions. Yeah. Okay. Before How you many questions, do I get <laughs> five questions? Okay. Is and the those... is the supporting actor Michael Keaton? No, it's not Michael Keaton. You watching Top Gun? Let's guess number one. Okay, no. Let's review the clues for a second. Just the main character of the movie has been per se. Every... The title character of the movie has been in every single Star Wars film as an actor, and somebody who played Batman in two movies is the best supporting actor in this film. Yeah, I, I've, I've got nothing. I have n- so. Two Batmans, I guess, could be... I thought it was Keaton because Batman and Batman Returns. Was there a third Keaton Batman? Oh, Val Kilmer was in Batman Returns. They switched immediately. Mm, I'm almost positive. No? No, Michael Keaton definitely fought the Penguin. I'm going to have to Google this right now because I am... I am too. I'm Googling it as well. Um, Because... uh, That changes things and then you'll know... I mean, at this point, it's, it's... because of that clue, I mean, you know it's Val Kilmer, by the way. Yeah. Who I think was was a fabulous Bruce Wayne, by the way. Dang, it is Michael Keaton. I'm sorry. Bad uh-huh. clue. Anyways, but now you know it's Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer, Val Kilmer was only Batman in... Batman f- Forever. Forever? Yeah. He was in Batman and Robin, too, right? Like, no, Batman and Robin was George Clooney. Oh, yeah. See, he was also I, a good... I thought they were both excellent 
Every Batman that we've had, I think, has been pretty good. Actually, I agree with you. I think every Batman we have has been pretty good. I think you go back and watch the Michael Keatons and, like, he's a terrific Bruce Wayne. Like, I, yeah. He really I is. love because Michael Keaton's a very cerebral Bruce Wayne. Like you can tell he's thinking and thinking ahead of other people. Mm-hmm. And like when he's talking to people, he's he's forwarding like what he needs to do as Batman as Bruce Wayne. Like he's using Bruce Wayne to help Batman out. Yeah. Like that's wonderful. I love Michael Keaton's Batman or Bruce Wayne. There was an interview with him where like someone asked him, like, do you know, how do you feel about all the new movies? And he he just looked at the interview and he said, I am Batman. <laughs> like, and I was like, true. Absolutely true. Yeah. Um, okay. If Val Kilmer's a supporting role, the other guy is someone I will never guess because I don't know Star Wars trivia very well. Um I'm it's a fringe movie with Val Kilmer. So if we're watching fringe movies with Val Kilmer in a supporting role that's on Disney Plus, um, I'm already lost and I won't be able to get it, but I'm going to go ahead and burn my second guess because I have to give it a good faith effort. Um, what's the name of that movie that I'm trying to remember? Give me two seconds. I got to Google it. Um, it. He was in a horror movie where he played like an aging writer and alcoholic. Hmm. And it was really, really good. It was called. You know, based upon who made this movie, it probably was supposed to be a lot bigger than it actually ended up being. And not a lot of people, I think, know about it. All right. Sorry, give me two seconds. I got to Google. IMDb is not helping me. Yeah, no worries. I watched this movie when I was a child. My dad really likes this movie a lot. Um, Another fun fact, the main actor in this movie is also um, in every single Harry Potter film as well. At least the the eight originals. I'm not sure if he's in the Fantastic Beasts, but I definitely know he's in the the eight original. Oh, there's Val Kilmer. He's great. Have you seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? No. You should watch that movie. It has Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer in it. Yeah, that's um, that's the same guy who did that English oh, director, right? Is it what? Edgar Wright? Oh, no, that's not who I was thinking of. Anyway, is I it, can't find the Val Kilmer movie. Is it Richie? Um, guy Richie that did Kiss Kiss yes. Bang Bang? That's yeah. what I was guessing. Okay, so I'm going to guess the movie was... Are you looking through Disney Plus now? No, IMDb. <laughs> um, just the list of Val Kilmer movies that I recognize. Um, and the one I'm thinking of, I can't find, so I'm just going to say The Thaw. Okay. It's not that one. Okay. No. There you go. <laughs> I, it was a spectacular fail. Congratulations, everybody. Welcome. Thank you for joining me. Um, so the main actor is Warwick Davis. Oh, um, uh, Willow. I'm watching Willow. You jerk. Warwick Davis was in every Star Wars movie? Yep. I never would have guessed. Yeah. So the movie I was thinking of with him in it is called Twixt. T-W-I-X-T. 
It's released back in 2011. It's a lot of fun. It's got, it's a Francis Ford Coppola movie. No wonder it's so good. Yeah. Um, it's got him, Bruce Dern and Elle Fanning. It's a lot of fun. Oh yeah. That does sound fun. Yep. Anyway, sorry everybody. I let you down. What's the score now? Um, I'm actually pretty, I'm going to I'm going to it right now. Pretty ugly, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get to it. It was like six to four or six to three. Now it's going to be a big margin. Um. No, it was. Let's see here. I don't know why I have seven to seven down here, but I don't think that's right. I mean, I did make a comeback there, a strong comeback. We for tied a while. at some points, but I think you lost the last two. Yeah. Yeah, because I was watching National Treasure. Yeah, did you and I was never one? ahead. Yeah. I did get National Treasure. You did get National Treasure. You know, I'm going to stake with the score as it is and just trust my previous self, and now it's eight to seven. All right. You know, we can't lie what the board says. We have to trust the board. If I forgot to mark my one of my wins down, I forget to mark a win down. All right. So let's please talk about something that I have something to contribute to, because clearly that that was just an, a failed experiment. Yeah, so what I want to talk about today, thanks for bringing that up now, is um, if you all remember the very first episode, one of the very first things we talked about and discussed was that concert that I went to and mm, how much yep. fun I had. And I kind of wanted to wrap back around from our first episode to now and um, talk about music because it's something that both of us love and most people do. You know, I was watching a, I think it's called funny people was the movie um anyways doesn't matter i was watching a movie and somebody had tickets to a wilco concert and he was trying to ask this girl out he's just like do you like music and she's like did you just ask me if i liked music like <laughs> i was just offended at the fact that like yeah everybody likes music like what and mm-hmm. so that's that's why i think it's fun to talk about but what we usually start and do with these introductory topics like movies or games or anything else, we've had top 10 lists or top five lists. I'm not going to do any kind of lists today. We may do a top 10 albums list later in, in the year if we feel like it, but I just kind of want to have a discussion about it. And that's really it. So let's just, Max, you want to start us kind of with how, just really what it means to you, I guess. And if we can get any more... Um, existential than that then then go for it absolutely and i start out pretty existential honestly because music for me like the most resonant music for me growing up was the background music in movies so i became a very sort of sentimental person about movies i really feel like music is a powerful way of touching on emotions and, and 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 making what are already really special moments that much more special. So growing up, we would do music at dinner at family dinner together. And there's like this one album that we would always listen to um, at least like once or twice a week when we were eating. And it's just like, it's created a soundtrack for us of being together, which I love. And in general, music is something that I feel very sentimental about it. it. It it's, it's as much a memory as it is an experience in the moment. So like when I came to visit you and we were out driving home, listening to music on the drive back, like that's, I knew that was a moment when we were living it that I would look fondly back on for a long time to come. And I still do. And when it comes to what I like and what I think music is, I think it's as broad and appealing as the genres that exist. And I think that's what makes it so fabulous. And I really do believe it's art. And I believe that it is capable of things 
that no other art form is capable of. I think it really stirs things in us that nothing else can. And I think it's incredible for that reason. Yeah. So that's just sort of a general snapshot for me of what music is to me and why I think it's special. Um, yeah, dude, that was ditto. No, I'm going to say more than that. (laughs) (laughs) I remember like, yeah, one of my two things I had on that drive back as far as music goes. And another thing too, when you're speaking about like driving with music and how like wonderful it is, I'll tell this and then I'll get into like what really like gets me going with music is, Mm -hmm. um, when we were listening to Red Hot Chili Peppers driving to Disneyland, yeah. it was awesome. It was so good. Just like, so wonderful. That was beautiful. And then when I was driving to Florida with one of my other buddies, um, the first time I moved down there, we would listen to John Williams on uh, Pandora. Mm-hmm. Early in the morning, we'd get up at like four, like four or five to like get on our way because my truck didn't have any AC at the time. So we couldn't, um, and we were driving in the middle of September, like through the middle of the country. And so we were driving through Mississippi early, early morning and it was a little bit foggy and Mississippi has some nice rolling Hills in the Northern part of the state. And we were listening to John Williams music with the windows down, driving through that. It's just, was like such a beautiful little moment. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, um, for me, it's music has kind of always just been a part of my entire family's life. Um, my grandpa and all of his brothers and sisters um, have some sort of musical talents. They either sing or they, every single one of them either sings well or plays a, like an instrument. Yeah. Um, and my grandpa plays the accordion, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, or he did. And my father plays the trumpet and my <laughs> mother plays the flute and the piano. Um, and my older brother can play the trumpet and the bass. And my younger brother can play anything that has to do with the trombone to like a tuba, like any of those bigger ones. And mm-hmm. then he all, I think he, I don't know if he does anything else besides that. Um, and I played the drums. So that's what I did. Um, you know, and, and, and so Music has always been a weird thing for me because it's always been something that's been incredibly important. And I, I, I don't know how you listen to music. For me, I always listen. Like, I find something I really love and I exhaust it until I don't. And then I leave it for six months and then come back and I exhaust it again. <laughs> so I listen to a lot of the same stuff, especially now because I'm not discovering music as nearly as often as I used to be. Yeah. But, um, like, I remember less, like sitting on the bus on the way home from some sporting events and Mission Impossible 2 had just come out and that Limp Bizkit, Limp, <laughs> Mission Impossible 2 theme song slaps hard. And I just listened to that thing for like an hour on repeat over and over and over <laughs> again. But I think for me, it was, I was always searching for some sort of sound and it wasn't really until I got to college and things really opened up and I was like, wow, there's all these different styles of music I didn't know existed. I like all of these. And, and it really wasn't until, honestly, it was, it was, it was probably like three or four years ago until I really like, and this is going to be not sad, I guess, but disappointing, especially from, cause where I live is like discovering sort of grunge which is weird yeah. to say because it happened while I was growing up, but like I was so young when it was like hit its peak that I missed all of it. Mm-hmm. But I remember fixing my car one day. And I just remember growing up through my entire life looking for a certain sound and like trying to describe it to people and realizing it was grunge when I was trying to describe it to people. 
And then I threw on Nirvana once and I was just like, this is it. This is the man. This is the band that I wanted to listen to when I was 10. And I didn't know that when I was 10, but now I do mm -hmm. now. Um, so I always try to discover whole new things. I'm super into um, lots of different kinds of things right now, but um, that's kind of my beginnings. Um, and it's still going. Do you play any, do you play any instruments? I know your partner plays a just anything she wants to. Yeah, pretty much. I, I do not. Um, I am not. I, I think I have a musical ear. I've been told I have a musical ear by people who are much more musical than I am. Um, but when it came time to learn an instrument, I was in middle school and I was going through a pretty tough time in my personal journey because we had just moved from, from Sweden back to the States. And because of my American standardized testing scores from the previous year, I was placed in an accelerated program. Um, and I, so I went from doing long division in sixth grade in Sweden to doing pre-algebra. Right. And so I basically mm -hmm. skipped like two years of math and I had like a meltdown and I was having my first migraines in my life and it was rough. It was a bad time. Um, but during that time, my parents also wanted us to pick up an instrument. And when I I was already having so much trouble with so much of my homework that I I sat down and started playing the instrument and I f just couldn't justify it because it felt like more homework. Right. And I was like, yep. I don't want to learn my scales. I don't want to learn my my um, what are they even called with the notes on the on the, the writing? I'm embarrassing myself right now. Um, Chords. Yeah. Scales? Things like that. The scales yeah. and the the clefs and all that stuff. Oh, like the treble clef and the. Uh, yeah. The, yeah so, you know, what? I'm, I'm a percussionist. I have no idea right. about anything like musical that way. So. so if I had if I, I think if I had been able to learn just by like ear, by like playing mm -hmm. and listening to stuff, I might have been OK. Um, but re reading written music for me felt like homework. Yeah. And, and I was already in a, a Spanish class and I was like, I don't I don't want to do this. You know, when I'm when I'm done with my work and I want to relax, I want to relax. I don't want to work more. So for me, that was a journey and a struggle. And I never picked it back up. But I have a an electric guitar that is waiting for me to decide I'm ready again. And I occasionally pick up and play rhythm guitar. I love rhythm instruments, guitar, drums, anything where I can just be enthusiastic and not yeah. have to try too hard. I really yep. like. Um, I also sort of lightly play the melodica. For those of you who don't know, it's like a blow piano. It's just it's got a little rubber tube and you go and, and it makes these like I want to say it's like these almost it almost sounds like an accordion, like the bellows sound. Um, but it's just one. It's one scale. So it's got like. 10 white keys and, and six black keys and that's it. So it's really hard to mess up. And I love like when my, my more talented musical friends get together and jam, I love to sit there with the melodica and like ad lib um, melodies on top of whatever other rhythms are happening mm -hmm. around me. So yeah. that's fun. But I, I, by no means am at all professional. Um, do you think, so is the guitar going to be the one you want to try to pick up? That was like my next thing is, is no. what, what um, would you think? What, like what instrument do you want to like, what would you want to pick up right now? Piano. I think, I think the, yeah. the piano and the keyboard for me have always felt the most intuitive. So that's definitely what would be my first one. And I think now that I'm a little older and I have spent more time sort of just, you know, living my life and, and listening to people play music, I have more tolerance for the fact that like putting in effort isn't the same as homework. So mm -hmm. I definitely would want to 
like start and do it right and learn my scales and learn how to read the music and all that stuff. Um, but it's, it's still not there for me. For me, learning to play music is a bonus. It's like an, an add on to whatever else I'm doing in my life. And because I'm so preoccupied with my career right now and like what I want to do and who I want to be, it's hard for me to like, like with the writing, it's hard for me to calm down enough to want to pick up a new skill. Right. Cause I can't, I don't have the essential skill of a job. <laughs> yeah. No, that's one of the music. I think is one of those things that like, unless it's something that you are going to be like incredibly passionate about, like you have to have most of your other life kind of in order to start picking up that instrument just because the amount of time it takes to get good at something like that is just enormous. Yeah. Um, and so if you really get want to start working into it and start playing, you just have to dedicate so much time. So obviously, if you're not happy with your job, your life, that kind of stuff, it's going to be difficult to get into that kind of stuff mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I, uh, I was given a choice in third grade which instrument to play, and it seemed like it was the most fun to hit drums. So that's how I became a drummer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't necessarily have a great personality for a drummer only because like I have like half the personality for one. And so, cause like, I'm not like brazen enough to go off and just like, or courageous enough to do the fills that need to be done, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, I'll keep your time and it'll be steady. You just may not get real exciting after that, you know, right. but it's going to, it's going to be clean. Um, which is really nice though, because the, the people I play with now, um, the guy who kind of does all the music, he just wants somebody who's kind of simple and subtle rather than like mm-hmm. overt. So it works out really nicely. Um, Oh, you know what? I'm gonna. I'm not even gonna be ashamed about it. I'm gonna plug it right now. By the way, I'm in a band, um, so this is partly why I love talking about music. Um, we actually have an Instagram as well, and you can go listen to samples of our tracks on there. Um, <laughs> and we have a name too. It's really cool. And so, if the quarantine had not happened, we would be playing shows right now, and I'd be telling you where you could go see us. Um, but, um, our first show was scheduled to be played the first week end of April and mm-hmm. obviously it didn't happen. So, and now we're not practicing, so we're probably going to not be able to play shows until the fall, at least, um, if not deeper into that, just cause you have to practice so much again. But our band name is called Fauna, F-A-U-N-A, Japonica, G-J-A-P-O-N-I-C-A. Interesting. It's what a, is, it's walk a Walk me through that. It's a book about the uh, fauna in Japan. Okay. And so the book title, like we just like, it was between, um, well, the name we really had, we've been trying to come up with a name since last summer. Um, We wanted to call ourselves my friend. We had somebody to leave the bands, but him and I wanted us to be called the 21st century drive through Mm -hmm. because we thought that sounds good. And um, or um, Taco Bell drive through, but we weren't sure if we could name ourselves about Taco Bell. <laughs> um, and then it was between um, Chapagetti Westerns, which is um, to me just a play on wearing chaps and then spaghetti westerns. So Chapagetti Western Naturally. or Fauna Japonica. And um, that's what our lead guy wants to uh, do. He wanted to name it Fauna Japonica. So that's where we went to. And I love it. It's cool. Especially because it's just a book about the fauna in Japan. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, and we play kind of like, I don't know, 
hazy kind of like I don't want to, it's not it's not it's, he really doesn't like to say it's surf music because it really isn't but it's kind of like a cleaner I don't know just go to Instagram and check it out it's kind of like a hazier surf style music. interesting yeah 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 definitely um, check it out I have listened to some of their music they are definitely talented some of us are talented hmm. <laughs> the best part about that band is is the lead singer also plays every other instrument too and so does the bassist I'm the only one that can only play one thing so when my uh, the guy who writes the music is like I was actually thinking that you should do this for that drum I was like great perfect I'm not that creative of a drummer just tell me what I need to do and I'll do tell it for what you, you want. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's great it really works out super well um, man you know what's something that I, I kind of just hit me is we've never been to a concert together other than the um the spirituals that we went to oh yeah uh, yeah with, you're right with with elizabeth the american spiritual ensemble yep. yeah yep yes absolutely which was amazing that mm-hmm. was that was incredible um but i wanted to find out um if you could remember what your first concert was oh absolutely i know what my first concert was because i um, don't remember what mine was but i don't own my first concert And so I will tell you what my second concert was because I own that as my first concert ever because I was 10 when I went to my first concert that I wanted to go to. And it was just looking back. I hate myself for that choice. Um, My second concert that I own as my first was the Rolling Stones at Texas Motor Speedway. Their lead opening bands. This I still can't believe this show happened. Their opening bands were Smashing Pumpkins. Matchbox 20. And Dave Matthews Band. Dang. That's incredible. And it was and it, it was a tremendous show. We were out there for like six and a half hours. It was so epic. And and I got to see Mick dance around the stage and do his Mick dance with his microphone and bounce his yeah. hips and purse his huge lips. And it was just magical. It was so great. Um, and that's so that's the one I own. Um, but the first one I actually went to was uh, the Backstreet Boys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Dude, <laughs> don't don't not be proud of that. I am not proud of it. I'm I was sorry. scrolling through um, back when I used to have cable. I was scrolling through the channels and my partner and I like three or four years ago, we were just sitting in our chair hanging out. Eating pizza, I think, and we're and we're rolling through the channels, and something just happened. It's just started. Seven o'clock, Backstreet Boys and New Kids in the Block, like concert that had been recorded, and I clicked it on. And I said, "You know, we're gonna watch all of this, right? Like, we're gonna watch this entire thing." And so it was wonderful, and it was really, really good time. It was a great little concert. Um, that that's awesome. I I I've, I've never really been able to see somebody really old and awesome like that except for um journey i saw journey and cheap trick and um heart nice at an amphitheater once that's that a was, great lineup gosh it was amazing it was cheap trick came out and did their first stuff and then heart and then it was um journey and journey was just incredible um yeah it was amazing it was, those are definitely the most like famous people that i've ever seen for mm-hmm. sure my first concert i really cannot remember we went to a lot of concerts as a church a lot like so i think like at least a few times a year we would like go to a couple which i know is not a lot for a lot of folks but like that's a lot like i think for a church to like send their kids to yep um so i uh i think that uh 
it was probably like Switchfoot or something like that was my first one. But I'm going to own my first one as um, DC Talk <laughs> because that was the first one that I really like was dying to go to. You know, it was just mm-hmm. like the one that I really just had to go see um, was those guys. It was it was them. And then probably after that, the ones I really wanted to go see were... Uh, I don't know, maybe skillets or something like that. My very first concert in college that I went to that I paid my own money for that wasn't like part of any sort of organization, though, um, is I drove three hours into Washington on a Thursday night to go see Blink-182. Excellent. Um, And then drove home at one o'clock in the morning until I hit like a place I couldn't sleep anymore. I couldn't like drive anymore. I just pulled off on like a rest stop and slept. Nice. It was great. Yeah, that's epic. That's a heck of a memory. Um, Have you had anybody you've seen more than once? Yeah, I've seen Coheed and Cambria a couple of times. Yeah. I've seen um, a number of local bands, more regional bands, a number of times as well. There's an awesome like Celtic punk grass band we follow called the Tan and Sober Gentlemen. We've seen them like two dozen times at this point all across mm-hmm. like the southeast. Um, we've seen too many zoos like four times now. They put on an incredible show. Um, there's a, another uh, – the, the female half of – Oh, they were a famous folk duo of uh, the Civil Wars. And and they're the female vocalist for that band. Um, they split up and we've seen the female vocalist a couple of times now. Um, I've seen there's an there's one last one that's uh, oh, Joseph. It's a it's a female. It's a three sisters and their vocal uh, harmony is just oh it's incredible i have actually listened to them before yeah 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 it took me a second to recognize them but yeah their vocals are amazing when when you listen to music do you listen to mostly like and i have this discussion with a lot of folks do you listen mostly for lyrics for music a little combination of both when i say music that's a little i know instruments are you more instrumental or like more like the lyric side of things i'm both um i am very much a melody person. I need a good melody. Um, so like I even got into like screamo for a while because the melodies on lead guitars could be so good. Um, bands like all that remains, um, trivium bands where the lead singer really is kind of screaming, but the musicality of the instruments is so impressive, like technical, beauty of it and so i as long as there's melody i can forgive pretty much anything else um but i i I love both i usually listen to instruments first and the voice as an instrument so if the voice's melody works with the song i'm good but then i listen for lyrics too because you know often often these days good music has really good lyrics and i value singers who are willing to be ironic and funny and silly and tell stories like i'm such a huge sucker for the decemberists even though i don't really like the 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 heady quality of their lead singer's voice because they're storytellers and they're not just singing songs they're like singing ballads you know like Mm -hmm. and so that's that's always been a part of it for me so all of it is the answer yeah (laughs) but there there is a process by which i need things for us for music to really resonate with me yeah there's a hierarchy of needs is 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 if you may say Mm -hmm. um yeah i i feel um 
a little different than that because I really don't care about the lyrics most of the time. I, I, when you said there that the lyrics or the voice is an instrument, that's essentially how I view it right now is it, I look kind of like I like the instruments and the voice to me is just an instrument. I don't really care what they're saying. I just like I want to know like how it sounds. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And 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 so I, I'm really, I, I don't really. And the thing about it is, it's really funny. Is is there's few few bands that I do care about what they say, and and not really just because I care what they're singing about. It's mostly just like I just it's cool to see what their lyrics mean, and that's yeah. like it. You know, that's like the most in depth I get into it, um, and that really only exists with like Blink. I think is the only band that I really like get into the lyrics of like, oh, that was cool, and that's kind of a callback to their last album and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But for me though, it's completely about like how do I feel? What's my like? How are these like musical notes hitting my ears? I don't, I'm not really paying attention to what they're saying. It's more just like, like you know, it, it's definitely like I'm 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 definitely picking out. I'm looking for something when I like when I'm trying to figure out what kind of music I like to listen to and when I'm trying to listen to new things. I'm looking for something that doesn't just sound kind of like flat and generic, which I think everyone wants. But you know, like. It's just one of those things where, like, I have a hard time with some genres of music because they all just kind of sound the same, you know? Yeah, it can. Yeah. It can, for sure. Um, actually, lyrics are one of the reasons that I actually got into a genre that I never thought I would. Um, like, growing up in Texas, I was exposed to a lot of country western music. And I was burned out by the time I left the state. But as an adult, going back through and listening to many of those songs, like, they're so clever. There is so much cleverness in country mm-hmm. western music that you don't find in other genres. Other genres, you get what you pay for. And mm-hmm. and in a lot of the country western songs, there's jokes, there's there's double entendre, there's, you know, there's um, sport. There, what's the word I'm trying to say? Um, stingers, right? Where yeah. at the end, yeah, like yeah, yeah. You, you'll think the whole song was one thing and then they just rip the carpet right out from under you at the very end. I love that stuff. I... And it's so it's so clever and so fun. <laughs> and it really yeah. transforms the listening experience for me. You're absolutely right. The that style of music, because my my dad likes country western a lot, so we would listen to some of that. Um, ooh, I want to ask you that too in a second. Um, but uh, so I just really love how how the country western style does. They do stories really well, and, and to me, that's always something that's been that's been super interesting. But um, speaking of that, and kind of going into into what. Uh, what my parents used to listen to, I really wanted to get into kind of maybe, you know, what your parents were at, because I think that has a lot to do with some people's backgrounds as well and what they musically like really well. Um, and so for us, it was 60s all the way, like good times, great oldies. It was so good. So we grew up a lot on places like um, CCR, The Beatles, Cream. And um, Herman and the Hermits, yeah. The Who, I, so, like, speaking of speaking of the Beatles, um, this is a really divisive topic, and it's it's a phrase I've heard multiple times from very divided groups of people. So I think it's worth bringing up. Do you believe that there is a like? So the question I heard was, do you who do you like more, the Rolling Stones or the Beatles? Because in general, those two groups kind of split the rock and roll community in the sixties and into the seventies, like, you know, the stones went a little bit harder. The Beatles went a little bit folkier. And like, is that, is that a juxtaposition that makes any sense to you? Does it sound like something that resonates, etc.? 
Um, so the way I guess I would look at it is, is the Rolling Stones went harder and then the, they went more into their rock that was already being produced, like their style and they went harder and the Beatles started psych rock, like in the studio. Like that's like the difference. Cause the Beatles went psychedelic rock as soon as they stopped touring and they split off after like their touring years. Cause the Beatles are, the Beatles are very distinct, like studio years and touring years their touring yeah. years sound very different than their studio years and i think even within the beatles community you get a divide my dad likes the touring years a lot more than he likes the studio years where i like the studio years way more than i like their touring years interesting um but i i think that that the beatles started going into they started experimenting in a different way in the studio and i think the rolling stones were still playing shows and, and in that era, you couldn't do what the Beatles were doing on stage because it wasn't technically possible. Yeah. And I think that's where you get a split is the Rolling Souls are doing amazing concerts and shows and awesome rock stuff. And the Beatles were starting to get into that kind of like different. Kind. So, yeah, I absolutely think there's a split there, you know, because just between you and I, I like the Beatles a lot more than the Stones. I don't really I, I know the Stones. I've listened to them. I don't know them super well. Yeah. Um, but I would. But like, I like the Beatles more than the Stones, and I, I know how you feel about the Beatles. Yeah, I've tried really hard. I really have. Like, I've given them a fair shot, and they just don't do it for me. The um, earlier but, stuff, they're like late 50s, early 60s, like the earliest stuff right, the, the touring is my years. favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the rock and roll actual like like rockabilly type stuff is so mm -hmm. fun. And that stuff is awesome. And yeah. it's fun and great. I just, and then I then they love... did a lot of drugs. <laughs> yeah. I just, I love the way those albums just like sink into you and just kind of like, I don't think there are, and there are a greater three set of songs that start an album um, than the first three songs on Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Like those just like, and that's one of the very first albums you got where somebody did an intro track into another song. Like they mm -hmm. didn't just start with a song. They went, you know, let's do a minute and a half of just kind of us like messing around and having fun. And it bleeds so perfectly into the next song. When I very first tried to listen to that album, because I came onto the Beatles super late. I was listening to it at my job, um, which part of the time it was a call, call center jobs. But most of the time, though, when I was listening to it, I wasn't getting a lot of calls. So I just had a lot of headphones in. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to answer emails and deal with FMLA and leaves and that kind of stuff. And I, I started listening to it and I had to stop for a second. And I found myself just listening and like not working for a good like five or six minutes. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, I can't do this right now. Like the it's the only album that I've ever not been able to listen to while I've been working just because yeah. of like I have to pay attention to it. Um, but I think it's interesting, too, because you and I have similar but like we like a lot of the same stuff but we also have very like we break off, you know? Yeah. And like, that's what I think. That's why I asked the question is I think they're really divisive questions like that that do split the musical communities and i love that because it, it helps to create so much breadth and depth in the experience like for example i've had endless fights between a friend of mine and i over whether we like van halen or van hagar better and i am staunchly van hagar because i think it's fun to hear them singing about something that's not just sex and he's staunchly van halen because David Lee Roth was the voice of Van Halen for him. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's really um, fascinating to me to see those divides happen. Um, 
But it's really interesting to me that you bring up the concept of the album because that is something that catapults a band for me from great to like legendary. Like mm-hmm. a band that actually makes albums, like one song feeds into another, feeds into another. Yeah. Like you're supposed to listen to this from start to finish. There are peaks, there are troughs, it's a journey. Like that is what that is what makes my favorite bands my favorite bands is the fact that they make albums. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I think um how that that really dives into how you consume music as well. I was just talking to this about my roommate yesterday. We were driving out to to go do something. I think we were going to pick up some some food supplies for the week. And I was we were listening to one of my one of my favorite bands, um, Unknown Mortal Unknown Mortal Orchestra. It's really hard to say. Um Ten times fast, especially. It's no, just. But she was like, "I really like this. What is this?" So, like, what are you listening to? Because it was all very samey, and mm-hmm. I'm like, "Oh, I'm just listening to their album." And she's like, "Oh, like I'm like I don't ever pretty much listen to music unless I'm like trying to talk over it, unless I'm just putting on an album, listening to it all the way through. Like I usually don't sh- all shuffle unless I'm in a certain kind of mood. Um, I'll almost always do albums, and so that's what I seek out. So I seek out good albums i don't necessarily seek out good songs so i miss a lot of like these bands that have like a couple good songs um because i just don't really seek that kind of that kind of stuff so if you ask me right now aaron what's your favorite album i could probably tell you what i've enjoyed what's your favorite song on that album i actually have no idea i could tell you what it sounded like i would have no idea what what the actual name of the song is interesting because i've actually i am i am able to distinguish and i will go back through because there are like movements you know motifs Mm -hmm. that will stick out to me that i love and that's one of my favorite things about like games and movies too is when you get a motif that echoes a character And then when characters are on screen together, they weave the motifs into each other. Oh my gosh, I die. Which is one of the reasons Pirates of the Caribbean was such an epic soundtrack for me was because you've got Jack's theme when he rolls in on the ship and it's super epic. And then you've got the fight between him and Will and it's like the clashing of these two themes. And then for the rest of the movie, like that's the pirate theme. There is something that you should um, listen to. It's a podcast. It's called Strong Songs. Mm -hmm. And what he does is he takes a strong song like a really good song and breaks it down um and so he did that once with um one of the songs from hamilton mm-hmm. and the exactly what you were saying and things that like a lot of people i think don't think about but feel like there's no yeah. thought process but they feel it yeah and, and so that's kind of they were talking about the hamilton songs and how he would weave in when the characters are talking to each other the when they were singing together, their motifs would join together and create something mm-hmm. new, but be very like you could tell they were together. But to, like it was that's like why it's so amazing. Like it doesn't just sound good. There's like technical reasons about why that's one of the greatest like musicals that's been written. You know, yep. um, it's I, I know that's how they do a lot of musicals, too, but to, it's just incredible to like really like. Music is so much fun to listen to and enjoy, but then you start talking and listening to folks who know a lot about it and like how to like bring things out. And it's just incredible the amount of like thought and complexity that really dives into it, which is incredible because it's something where like a singular note strung over and over again can sound so pleasing to the ear versus something that has like the most complex structure possible. Mm-hmm. And, and the vastness of it makes it so accessible to everybody. And that's just why it's awesome. I mean, it's this like it's one of those things that you can 
Like every that's that's that joke, you know. Everybody likes music almost, so like you can you can find connections everywhere, no matter who you are. Yeah. So, um, sorry, I soapbox for a second, and I forget what my train of thought is at the very beginning, and then it just goes. <laughs> then we gotta you gotta stop me before I go down that go down those holes. No, that's fun. I like listening to it. Um, <laughs> so the the thing that got us on this oh, track albums. in the first place yes. was albums. Yeah. Um, what was your first album? Honestly, the first album I listened through start to finish was the Backstreet Boys. Um, I, I want it that way, I think was the album. Um, no, Backstreet's Back. And so that was, uh, that was when I learned that like about variety because they did have some nice variety. Um, but the album for me that... The, honestly, the band for me that really taught me the art of the album was Coheed and Cambria. Like their albums are sagas in what is a larger mythos of a sci-fi fiction world, <laughs> right? Coheed and Cambria are the two main characters of the lead guitarist and singer's um, science fiction universe. And so all the songs from that are about the stories of these characters. And so that in and of itself is like, yep, I'm in. I'm yeah. in 100%. Um, but the album that really won me over was their most sort of prog rock metal album, which was um, No World for Tomorrow. And the song, one of the songs on there was actually the song that was slated to be the Transformers theme song. It's it's called Feathers. And it was supposed to be the Transformers theme song. And then Michael Bay didn't like it. So they went with Linkin Park instead. You sound bitter about that. Because I'm not. I'm not. I'm bitter. I'm Bitter that Michael I Bay made that a Linkin bad Park decision, album. but I'm not disappointed that Michael Bay yeah. made a bad decision. I'm not surprised Michael Bay made a bad decision. I I am not a huge Michael Bay fan, but that's no. not, that's neither here nor there. That I did not know about that Coheed and Cambria actually yeah. at all. Uh, yeah. uh, that's amazing. It makes me want to go back and listen to the lyrics now. See, it's wild. Now they, make there, there, there are actual comics about it, man. There's there's a book that he wrote, like. It's a whole, it's a whole universe. That's it's incredible. really cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Yep. <laughs> like some people make music and then there's them that like do it this way. And that's yeah. awesome. I love yeah. that. Yeah. It's pretty silly. That's, that's great. I think the first, so I had, I had an answer to this that I was thinking about last night when I was thinking about what we wanted to discuss today. And I kind of was going to go with this answer, but you're reminding me of something else. My first album I listened to back to front, um, uh, I'm pretty sure was uh, Hybrid Theory from Linkin Park. Mm-hmm. And that was like on repeat. I love that album so much. <laughs> uh, yeah, just that. And that like goes with Limp Bizkit too. Just that whole like new metal, like rap rock kind of like style that they had then just hits me so like so hard in the heart bone. Yeah. I just I love that stuff, you know. When Jay Z and Linkin Park did their um, encore album together, like with the mashups, man. Yeah. I remember when mashups were like the thing. Yeah. Like the gray album, you get the black album and the white album layered yep. on top of each other. Oh my yep. gosh. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my first album that my parents made me take back to the store and purchase a different one <laughs> was um, Will Smith's Willennium. Are you kidding me? Willennium, so, really? So oh, my parents loved Willennium. We all loved Willennium. <laughs> <laughs> I 
we fell in love with Will Smith on MTV in Sweden because it was like MTV was one of the few English channels that were on, was on the television. And so we spent a lot of time watching that. And and Willennium was definitely a part of that. And and <laughs> to this day, I will catch my parents humming songs from that like oh, Miami. Yes. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a great album. I love that album. But we, we I was I think 12 and my my parents decided it was not appropriate for my years at the time and uh, made me take it back. I was really sad. I think I cried over that one. Yeah, that's hard. Because that was, I think, the very first album that I like, bought with my own money for like, my birthday or something like that. Like It was something like weird like that where I was like, all right, yeah. Um, but then I got hybrid theory and everything was good and discovered rock and left my um, Will Smith life behind for good. <laughs> Back in the Wild West where it, where it belongs. Yeah. Um... Would you would you claim Coheed and Cambria is your favorite band? No, no, I would not. My favorite band is Caravan Palace. My oh, second gosh. favorite band is actually Wolf Mother. Wolf Mother is a oh, band that's like I love Wolf Mother too. Yeah, they're like Pink Floyd for the twentieth century. Like they they have they have so much like stuff going on. It's it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy them a lot. Um, and yeah. then Coheed is probably number three. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Caravan, gosh, Caravan Palace is great. They're just, they're they're so much fun, mm-hmm. and that's the style of some that the Caravan Palace. If if, if you all don't know, I think we should we should explain because they're a little bit unique. I feel like because um, they play electro swing, and it's awesome. And they, well, they started out playing really hard electro swing, and now they play more of like. It's still electro swing, but it's way more like laid jack chill electro swing. Like their latest album was really chill and it was awesome. Like it was great. Um, that's the best concert I've ever been to. The Caravan Palace is by far the best concert, or the yeah, it's the best show I've ever been to. By far, it's so good. It wasn't my favorite concert I've ever been to, but it's by far the best show. Um, yeah, it is incredible. Um, Blink One Eighty Two is my favorite band. And that has more to do with, I think, Travis Barker than it does um, anything else. Yeah. Um, I like that genre of music a lot. You could probably throw a dart at like 10 different bands in that genre. And if you put (laughs) Travis Barker, it would immediately make them my favorites. You know, like I the guitar riffs are cool and the lyrics are cool and I like how silly they are. Um, But the main reason I love that band is because of the drummer. Yeah. And so, like, you throw him with anybody else, like, you put him in Green Day, and Green Day's probably my favorite band now, yep. you know? So, um, I, I really haven't really thought about two or three. I think probably some, it has to be something up there with, um, I would go with, like, Pond or or a known mortal orchestra. I've been been really into, over the last several years, psychedelic rock a lot, um, and have been pleasantly surprised about the discovery of finding out how many psychedelic rock bands there are in New Zealand and uh, Australia. It's just like the <laughs> mecca of psych rock right now. Um, so I'm going to throw some out there because I think um, everyone needs to listen to these folks. If you like psych rock at all, check these guys out. Tame and Paula, they're becoming really big right now. So you probably have started to hear about them because um, I know when they're coming to Portland, eventually they're going to sell out like our basketball stadium. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, in last tour, they, they, they were not, I'm sad. I probably never get to see them. That makes me sad. But, um, Pond is amazing. Pond is a collective group of people from like Tame Impala from like King, like Lizard and the Gizzard Wizard or King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. 
<laughs> if you haven't heard of them. Yeah, um, I absolutely have. But they're just kind of pawned as a collective of these different. So it's essentially one guy who or one or two guys who like runs it. And then they bring in these different psych rock people from different bands and they play together. But they always put it out as like pond. Mm-hmm. And so all of their albums are very feely similar, but they're very distinct styles. Like one's a rock album. One's like a laid back chill, like like psych wave. Like so like but they all sound very similar. They just have different people in them. So it's really, really cool. Um. And then, uh, yeah, those are definitely the first three. Tame Impala, Pond, King Gizzard, and the Lizard Wizard, Unknown Mortal Orchestra. Definitely check those guys out. If you if you like Pink Floyd, that's essentially what it is. I mean, yeah. it's essentially the Beatles studio touring albums and Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. And so if, if, if you're into that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I... I'm so lost when it comes to singles. Albums are, are always the way it goes. I want to get into something with you, Max, for a second, because okay. you discussed this a little bit with John William or with composing and movies and stuff. But um, what about like video game music a little bit? Because I know until really I met you, I had not really ever considered video game music as like a key component about what I love about something. And even now, I, I don't like make it like a thing but i do pay attention to it if it's good or not mm-hmm. um but i know that's kind of on a different level for you and um do you have something out there that just like like people so should listen to outside of that or just the your- game that really sold me on video game music was final fantasy origins i believe um, my buddy had uh, the soundtrack. It came with the soundtrack, and it was a reboot of, I think, Final Fantasy... Well, that's not the one I'm thinking of. The one I'm thinking of was a reboot of Final Fantasy five and six. Uh, let me look it up right quick. And so he had this soundtrack, and it just blew my mind like it was so good and the entire thing like from start to finish was phenomenal and it was at that time in my life that was hard and video games were a place Mm -hmm. where I could escape a lot of that pressure and a lot of that frustration and I was never sporty and so video games were something I was good at and so I I found myself doing a lot more of those Um, but Final Fantasy the Final Fantasy series in general hooked me into video games because they were stories right they were these big epic sweeping arcs um, often fantasy, science fiction, steampunk, like all the things I love, genre of genre fiction, basically. Um, and I, I found myself really like having these epic moments in the games and like the epic moments were always just exponentially heightened by this music. And whether it was sad or positive, you know, it was just great. So Final Fantasy V and Final Fantasy VI really got me there in terms of the music. Um... But Final Fantasy IX is what solidified it for me. Um, the opening theme, the overworld music, like these, there are songs in that soundtrack that are just tremendous and they evoke feelings in ways that I have never heard music be evoked, like specific feelings, right? Like you, there's there's a, a moment in the game where there's a betrayal and so there's this theme centered around this betrayal and that that feeling is like the music creates that feeling in me and it's just unbelievable 
and it still happens to this day. I still play uh, Final Fantasy XIV, which is their online game, and they are one of the few games that that MMOs at least that have different phases of the bosses, and the music changes based on what phase you're in. And so you start out with like this basic theme and then you enter phase two and the music kicks up and it starts to get more exciting. And then you enter the final phase and it's like this crescendo and it's super epic. And I love that. Um, But what I loved about it initially, the battle music is great. But what I really loved about it initially was the softer music, the slower music, the background stuff, Um, because it was just it it was peaceful and safe um, and fun. Secret of Mana was another Square Enix game that had tremendous music. Chrono Cross was a goofy game, and I, I know a lot of people are split about it because it's, you know, time travel and whatnot. Combat system was weird. Um, it alienated a lot of people, but I love the music in that. Um, Legend of Dragoon, like a lot of these early PlayStation 2 RPGs had uh, um, really good music. And that's that's where I learned to, to just love that sense of immersion to the point that like when I was running D&D with my buddies, we would have like area music and we would have boss battle music and stuff just because it's so, it really does amp up the experience to another level. Yeah, that, when you were talking there, I think I just realized something that, um, A lot of times video game music, I think, for folks are are tied to these um, RPGs or like a lot of times like fighting games or um, battles like uh, like Devil May Cry stuff, you know, like Mm -hmm. stylized action games where the music is a huge part of it. Um, Those I never played those games when I was a child, like all these games. You're like, yes, the music I loved about all of these. I never touched any of them, which I think hits why like. I think you connect really well with the video game music because I don't think I was introduced to it when I was young at all like that um, as much now. The, the ugh, man, I <laughs> see like my video game music that I like is just like 8-bit Mario games. Just give me that. Like, just give me like the athletic theme from Super Mario World and that makes me super happy. Dry, dry docks. Like, <laughs> oh, dude, dry, dry docks is so good. Yeah, um, that kind of stuff that like the underwear the, theme from the, from Donkey Kong. Like there are just these themes that come through in video games that are just um, wild. Did you ever play the moon level from DuckTales 2? Yep. That, yep. That, that, I've been trying to work that sound um, and that track into a playlist for like the last like three or four years. And I haven't been able to yet. I've been trying to like work it into one of the Halloween playlists. <laughs> I'm, I'm still I'm determined to get it in there at, at some point um, but uh, <laughs> when Max was talking about the bosses like if you're ever struggling with a boss just mute your your TV and it just instantly becomes so much easier when you don't mm-hmm. have like heroin music like attacking you mm-hmm. <laughs> it's 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 like <laughs> sometimes like, I'll play like Dark Souls and sometimes with the music going every time I'll play it with like podcasts going and like when you have something that you're not listening to it's it's wonderful and you always know um, there's a meme out there about like the boss intensifying like when the music intensifies you know there's a second wave coming mm-hmm. it's the worst feeling in video games you just like grinded so hard against this boss and he's like the most difficult boss you've fought and, and his health end. is all gone and the music dies down and then it kicks back up again and starts getting 
louder and then you see him move and the health fills up you're like oh i gotta do it again <laughs> yeah it's one of it's it's simultaneously one of the most demoralizing and like exhilarating things in the world like gets your adrenaline going it like is fight, fighter it's literally fight or flight being kicked on yeah it's Oh man, it's 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 absolutely wonderful. Something that that's other than than video game music that I want to touch on before um, we run out of time, or we're coming close to our to our end time today, mm-hmm. um, is theme songs from like TV shows because those I just love them so much, and they really like like it's the difference between hitting skip intro or not on Netflix. Yep. You know, like my if you ever hit skip intro on that Stranger Things intro, I'm I mean, come on. Like <laughs> it's I'm, really good. Should you really be watching this show if you're skipping that intro? Before we start with this whole discussion about theme songs, because it's gonna last another four or five hours. <laughs> the one thing I would like to ask you about is would you or do you prefer the Dragon Ball Z intro f- from the English or the Japanese version? I don't actually know the Dragon Ball Z intro from the Japanese version off the top of my head. Is okay. this important enough that I should go listen to it right now? Because um, I will. You know, it may be. It, and so, because it's one of those things where I didn't know the American one or the English one very well. <laughs> and so okay. yeah, I, I, went, know the, I know the American one for sure. And so I went and listened to that one last night. And my initial thought was, oh my gosh, this, the Japanese one is way better. So I do want you to listen to the English one to see. Okay. Which, because I think there's a divide, and I was talking to to um, Brian about this last night. It's not necessarily just music, but there's a divide like in all anime. And I was like, yeah, there's the the sub camp and the dub camp, like, yep. and it's usually whichever one you start watching anime in. So like, mm-hmm. if you started watching Dragon Ball Z with the English, I could see how like that's your guy and that's the one you want. Oh yeah, the Dragon Ball Z. Japanese intro is so fun and I think it does a much better job of capturing the spirit of the show. I agree. The English intro um is really guitar-y like, and it's there's no nostalgia. Words. Yeah, it, yeah, but I like I love it because I you know, I was right at that age where I was starting to think that cool stuff is cool, right? Yeah. And so I didn't want fun. I didn't want it to be little kitty. I wanted it to be epic. Yep. Yeah. And the English intro of that with like the wailing, what do people call it? They, I've heard them call it butt metal, right? Where it's just like this, <laughs> this heavily reverbed, just guitar wailing. And I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, that intro is probably one of the biggest reasons I do is because it was so cool. And I was ready for that. I wanted something cool. Wow, I wonder if that's you pose an excellent question right here. Um, I wonder if what you watched as a child, as far as like the theme music to the intros of your like shows, has any sort of effect on what music you like listening to now. I'm sure, and your understanding of the show, even right, because it's it's a different experience. It gears you up in a different way. Like, it absolutely does. Like, yeah. I, the the Japanese version is way more like whimsical and folksy than the <laughs> English one, and so it like it sets your mind up in like the mystical world or like the fantastic, right? And it's also more consistent with Dragon Ball itself, right? right. So it feels like a right. proper extension of the universe rather than just like an action cartoon. But I think at yeah. the time that's all they were trying to do, right? Because Toonami was about marketing anime to American kids and. 
it was wildly successful and like, but they needed those bridges. They needed those oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of gap I, I closers. Yeah, it's 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 one. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad both exist. The the uh, middle part of the anime, though, the like little like vignette that they have and then between each like act of the of the episode. Um, that little piece, though, is way more nostalgic and evocative for me on Dragon Ball Z with the English version. Like, I remember that so well versus like, I don't remember that at all about the Japanese version. Yeah. Which is weird. I don't remember the theme. Like, I don't remember what the theme songs was. I just. Oh, and you know what? It's also really interesting. So I'm watching it right now. Um, I've been watching a lot of Dragon Ball Z lately. Um, so I've been watching it on Funimation and the Japanese version is in a lower quality and the intro is different than the English version. Like they've like 1080p HD, the English version and like left the Japanese one at 720. It's really mm-hmm. interesting. Um, and so I think my, do you have a favorite uh, theme song from a uh, TV show of all time? Mine's, I'm just going to tell you what mine is. It's Batman, the animated series. It That's a good one. With my favorite That's cartoon. a really strong nomination. Um, I can't say that I have a favorite. I, I have ones that were impactful. Um, but in terms of like songs that in terms of intros to shows like the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers theme song uh, yeah. is it. Like there has never been a song that got me more amped up to watch whatever was coming next than that that theme song. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And that also I think qualifies as butt metal. That was it was just more wailing metal guitar. Like yeah, pop, it's that's all that same stuff. era, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's wonderful. The I I, I love the theme songs, and, and there I was watching. Um, I watch a lot of modern cartoons now, but I was watching a lot of of the old Disney cartoons when Disney Plus first started. And I think I made this comment to you at some point. There's just there's there's a qual not a quality, but there's a feel that you get with those '90s cartoons and the like late '80s cartoons and the theme songs they attributed to those. Mm-hmm. That like it's it's a weird kind of like wacky like theme that you like you don't see a whole lot very very much yep. um, anymore. Like you don't. It's like they delved into like the weird, like theme songs needed to be weird and not like, like, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. They were, it weren't just like exciting melodies. Like they got wacky, they got fun, they got different. And I think that was uh, paralleled in a lot of the sort of changes and exploration that was happening in cartoons at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was an, it was an age of innovation where they were trying new things and different things. And so you had, Things like the Animaniacs theme song and Pinky and the Brains theme song that people can still sing word for word yeah. 25 years later because they were just so impactful. Yeah, and, and impactful and, and interesting that that theme song is used to explain what the show was about. Yep. Like, which you don't see that anymore. You know, it's just like the Animaniacs intro is just like an entire song about what that TV show is about. That's that's mm-hmm. all it is, and it's wonderful. I love that that intro. Um, it's great. Well, yeah. Do you have anything else to add? Um, I love that it's such a broad subject. I love like are there. I love like that there are types of. There's something out there for everybody. Yeah, like, it's I at just, this point I think that's where like so great. at this point, like unless we start getting way more specific about certain things, um, 
we can't keep this broad anymore. You know, like, mm-hmm. like I've discussed the broadness of the broad, like we would have to dive down into deeper things, you know? Yeah. And, uh, that's not what this episode's about. We just kind of wanted to have a chat about what we loved about music. Yeah. Um, but I do, um, want to make some announcements before we leave the show for you all. Um, announcements i want to make an announcement that there were going to be announcements soon i have to figure out my schedule but there are things that are going to be coming that aren't podcast related um that are being set up right now that we are currently working on and um we have the tools we have tested and things work so that's great Hooray. um as soon as i figure schedules out i have to figure out what my job is going to be first you know once i figure out where like my normal life falls back into to normalcy a little bit and schedule wise i'll be able to get a better schedule for everybody but things are coming that aren't audio only so look forward to that other than that though email us podcast at infinitepulp.com max where are you at where all where where all the, i am all- on all the things i'm usually max baron reed so use that search me up it's just my full name max baron reed at gmail.com max baron reed on facebook and, and yeah, love to hear from you yeah, me too. We're on um, Twitter, also Infinite Pulp. So just check us out. That's where we post our release schedule and when we're releasing shows. Um, we release shows Wednesdays. That's something that may change in the future, but it's working right now. So I'm going to keep on releasing shows on Wednesdays at this point. And um, go listen to some music. One of the fun th- – if you haven't done this before, and this is the last thing that I will – I will impart to everybody is go uh, just sit or walk or do something and just make your focus, like pick an album that you really like, or just a band that you really like, and just try listening to their full album and not do anything else. Cause it's, I think a lot of times um, people listen to music as an accessory. And I think sometimes you're shortchanging it. Give it a try some as like your main focus for a bit and see how it feels. I'm going to challenge you that way. And uh, that's it. Have a good night. Bye, everybody. Thank you.